Hey everybody, it's Charles from HumbleMechanic.com and today we're talking about dealing with bad jobs as a technician. This is episode 5 of the Humble Mechanic Podcast. Today we're going to talk a little bit about dealing with some of those really hard, really tough, really challenging jobs. Maybe the ones that the time isn't quite enough or things that really kick your butt as a technician. This is an episode that I recorded in the car and one of the first ones that actually gained some pretty good traction. From what I remember, this sort of stemmed after having a really challenging day or probably a string of days at the dealership, and I felt it was important to share some of that with you guys that are maybe new, up and coming, or dealing with just kind of a hard time at the dealership. Really, you could probably take this advice and some of these thought exercises and apply them to just about any job. Hey, before we jump back in time and get into this episode, I want to remind you guys about the crew membership program. If you want exclusive content from me, as well as discounts that you're really not going to find anywhere else, at least not packaged this way, to places like Eastwood, MT Knives, Black Forest Industries, Sonic Tools, Eurowise, and more, check out the crew membership program. If you're buying car parts or have a project car, joining this program is one, a great way to help support the work that I do for you guys, as well as an awesome way to make a bunch of your money back. If you're doing a VR6 swap in a Mark 1, you're going to get your money back on the very first purchase from Eurowise. So check out the crew membership program. There is a link down in the description. If that's not your flavor, you can also throw some support over on Patreon, as well as use my Amazon affiliate link. Both great ways to help support the show and literally help me keep the lights on. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the audio-only versions on your favorite audio podcast platform. With that wrapped up, let's get into the show. You may remember in the flat rate video that I talked about how some jobs are better better than others. And uh, today we're going to talk about how to deal with those bad jobs. You guys got me in the car today. I'm on my way home after, uh, honestly, kind of a tough day of work, which is probably why I'm talking about dealing with bad jobs. Dealership techs probably see among the worst work, maybe. I'm not sure. I've only worked at a dealership. So if you're an aftermarket guy or a dealership guy that's done both, post in the comments and... Uh, let us know where you found the worst work. I feel like dealership probably see a lot of the really hard stuff, but there's some razor sharp aftermarket guys too that probably get their butt kicked a fair amount. So I'm going to walk you through my day, and this is kind of the trend for about the last month of, uh, of what we've been dealing with. So the day started off with working on a vehicle that I've had at the shop for about three weeks, um, not working on solid for three weeks. It's just been there. It was a 2014 Passat TDI that had a fuel rail fault. The car only has 2,600 miles on it. So on a car that new, generally the, uh, the recommendation is to call Volkswagen and get some guidance on the repair, uh, unless it's a, like a cut and dry repair. So they had me replace a fuel uh, pressure sensor. That didn't fix it. And finally, after round and round, doing test after test after test, uh, they had me replace the high-pressure fuel pump, which seems to have fixed the car. I'm going to put a better test drive on it tomorrow and uh, see, see if that actually does take care of the problem. Um, Next up was an 09 Jetta Sport Wagon with about 190,000 miles on it. I've been fighting this one for about a week and a half now. She came in with a uh, 
EGR flow fault. Initially, I found a boost leak. There was a uh, boost hose that was leaking out at the intercooler and uh, replaced that, ran all the basic settings, ran all the tests, everything checked good, delivered the car. Lo and behold, I think two days later, it comes back with the same fault. Uh, traditionally, that is one of a few repairs. It could be a stuck flap in the exhaust. Uh, almost all the time, it's a clogged DPF where uh, it gets full of soot. And uh, check that. That wasn't it. Went through all the normal tests. It wasn't anything. Every time it's at the shop, it passes all of the EGR flow tests. So uh, call it to Volkswagen, which I wound up messing that up a little bit. But luckily, the guy was super awesome and helped me out anyway. And we got it worked out. And unfortunately, it's probably going to ding this customer for about a thousand bucks on her uh, 09 Sport Wagon. So I was able to at least walk that issue out. But it always hurts a little bit when you uh, have to tell a good customer it's going to cost them, you know, a thousand bucks plus to get uh, to get their car fixed. Uh, after that, I had a 14 Passat TDI. That came in with the, what the customer said was the brake wear indicator light on. <clears throat> now, I don't generally jump to conclusions on brake wear indicators or any customer complaining about a light. I always like to you know, give the car the due diligence that it, it needs. I, uh, <laughs> I put the car up in the air trying to just put my eyes on the brake wear indicators. Well, lo and behold, it doesn't have brake wear indicators. Uh, for those of you that don't know, brake wear indicators are um, usually a sensor on the brake pad that when the pad gets really low, a little light pops on and, on and tells you to replace the brake pads. So, you know, I was expecting to see maybe the pad line, the line cut or something weird like that, but it didn't have sensors on it. And usually when something like that happens, I like to grab one of the other guys in the shop and have them put their eyes on it too, just to make sure I'm not losing my marbles or anything, but didn't have any brake pads, uh, sensors on it. The funny thing is, is I put my flashlight, shined it right in the instrument cluster, and uh, a lot of times you can see what lights the cluster has, and even if the vehicle's not equipped with that particular thing, um, you can still see the imprint of where the light would be if it were to come on. Like my Passat, the seatbelt warning light is turned off, uh, don't worry, I wear my seatbelt, but uh, if you shine the light on the instrument cluster, you can see where the, where the light would be if it had it. So, the, but anyway, the funny thing was, is it wasn't a brake wear indicator light because the brake wear indicator light actually says the words brake wear. So I assumed it was a light bulb out. There was no fault stored or anything. All the lights were working. Not much I could do for him. Sent him on his way. About two or three hours later, I find out that his glow plug light is flashing, and he's bringing the car back on a tow truck for what I assume is the same problem as the Passat that I had just finished this morning. So the following car, I think it was the one after that, was a 13 Torag. The customer had an issue with the seat heater. Um, first thing when we have an issue with stuff like that is usually I hook up the scan tool 
while the scan tool is running, it's you know diagnostic, uh, basically pinging all the computers in the <clears throat> in the vehicle. Um, I usually try and duplicate the concern, so I flipped the seat heater on, and uh, it worked fine. I did get a fault for the temperature sensor, but uh, got some squirreling information. So the information I got from the scan tool was a fault for the temperature sensor <coughs> in the uh, in the seat, and it gave me a code. It was, I don't even remember, like G344. And so the whole time I'm looking at information through the wiring diagram, I'm looking for this one code, G344, and um, round and round I find that this certain component, the temperature sensor, is wired to a module built under the seat. Looking all over through the module for the seat, looking, 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 trying to find the connector, can't find it. Go to parts, try and get with them to see if they have information, can't find the right information. Well, it turns out the scan tool was wrong, so that vehicle doesn't have that component. So the uh, temp sensor that I was looking for that the scan tool called G344 was actually G59. Totally different wiring diagram. So <clears throat> I spent about an hour trying to find a part that didn't exist on the vehicle. So it, it was a kind of a tough day, but I'm not going to spend the whole time just crying about how annoying my day was. The one other thing I will say though is uh, I had a new guy with me all day today and the guy's really nice. I think he'll wind up working out all right. He's only part-time now, but man, you know, it's he's so young and so inexperienced, and uh, that that makes me have to slow down and, and make sure that what I'm doing, I'm explaining to him, and, uh, you know, it's hard for me to just throw him, throw him a car and tell him to work on it, so that was just one extra little, little hitch in the get-up for today, but here's the way that I deal with days like this. As frustrated as I can get and as you know, annoyed at dumb things that happen as I get. Um, there's really a few things that I do to, to kind of push that aside and get through these tough jobs that equal tough days that can equal, you know, low pay weeks, bad paychecks, all that. If you haven't watched the flat rate video, I'll put a link in the show notes. I recommend checking that out so you kind of get a feel for what I'm talking about when I say bad work equals bad time. So... The key really two things, three things, push through it. Just just get it done, get the work done, you know, as fast as you can, as correctly as you can, and get the car gone. Not just, you know, don't throw, just throw parts on it, but just really, really push through that bad job. Um, there's a big sense of accomplishment when you get through a really crappy ticket that, you know, either it was hard diagnostic stuff or the actual R&R, remove and reinstall of the part was terrible, you know, just all that, just push, 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 and get through it. It's hard sometimes to understand while you're, you know, knee deep in it or waist deep in it that this is just one job, it's a temporary situation, at some point, you are going to get through this job, whether it's whether it's because the customer doesn't want to fix it, or you fix it, or you 
the car just leaves, you know, it just goes away, which has actually only happened to me a few times in, in all the years I've been doing this. I'm surprised that doesn't happen more, actually. But uh, it, it's temporary. You're going to get the car finished at some point. And it's, again, it's really hard to understand that while you're kind of knee-deep in it. But part of, part of not getting caught up in that and just pushing through and working harder and working harder and working harder um, is you really have to have a good attitude about it. And man, sometimes having a good attitude about a crappy job is darn near impossible. It, uh, it really is hard work keeping a good attitude. And maybe not even a good attitude, but hard to avoid a negative attitude because, man, getting a negative attitude on top of doing a crummy job, it, it just sucks the life out of you. We, uh, we like to joke about having a broken motivator, and that's where you have those days where you just, man, you don't have the drive to work hard and, and get cars fixed or, you know, whatever. At, uh, at my old retail job, we used to call them slack days. And sadly, at that job, I think almost all the days were slack days. But uh, what a fun job sometimes, except when it was terrible. It was terrible a lot. But the fun days were fun. Um, but having a good attitude is so, so, so important in this field because there is so much negativity. I remember years ago, this must have been like 06-ish, my buddy, I was working next to my buddy Kevin, and uh, at the time... I was working on nothing but Torags, it seemed, anyway. And this is back when the 04, 05 Torags were just terrible, terrible, terrible cars. Um, they were complicated. They were hard to use. Customers didn't know what to do. Technicians didn't know how to fix them. The information was terrible. The scan tools were terrible. I mean, if you guys are Volkswagen techs now and have only been doing it for a few years... You know, be thankful that you didn't grow up in the uh, 04 Torag days because it was a tough time to make money. Until you figured out how to fix Torags, then you could roll it in. But that brings me to the story about me and Kevin. So I was working next to Kevin and, you know, just working on Torag after Torag after Torag. And he looks at me at one day and he's like, dude, how do you keep such a good attitude? You just work on Torags all day long and sometimes they kick your butt. And I'm like, well, you know, one, I'm making a ton of money on working on Torags. I mean, I was killing it back then and doing, you know, really hard either diagnostic or repair on Torags. I had kind of figured out that fixing Torags wasn't that hard. Um, it was the maintenance part of it, rotating tires and changing oil that I didn't like. But I'm like, man, you know, you just got to pound through the hard jobs and, uh, <clears throat> And, and keep rolling, and uh, I think he I think he finally got it after after just me telling him those words, and uh, now he's doing really awesome things, and I won't say it's thanks to me, because that would be very arrogant, but uh, you're doing good, Kev. I'm proud of you, man. Um, so keep the good attitude. It's so, so, so important, you know, not just in work, not just on the crappy days. You know, it's I guess it's probably good advice for life. I wish I was better at it than, uh, than I am, but hey, you know, we all know what we need to work on. Um, so the 
best way though that I've really found to do that is to and to keep that good attitude is just not get sucked into the negative crowd. Every job that I've ever had has always had the negative crowd, the little clique of people that hang out with each other and do nothing but cry and moan and complain all the time. So you know what I'm talking about. It's the, it's, you know, I don't know, the guys out back smoking, crying that the job that they got is really hard while the guy working next to them, you know, the job is much harder that they have. Or uh, the guy complaining about doing a exhaust work on a car and, uh, you know, the rest of the shop is listening to him complain going, man, I'd kill to do a job like that. That's a quick, you know, five or six hours or whatever. Uh, or the guy complaining about the exhaust work and the guy next to him is replacing an engine in a hybrid. Probably the worst job I've ever seen anyone do at my dealership. I, uh, I feel bad for that guy, man. He got his butt kicked on that, that engine and, uh, that was no fault of his own, but <clears throat> staying away and just separating yourself from that negativity is, uh, is really important because it's so easy to get sucked in. You know, you hear somebody complain about, I had a really tough job and, and not in a way where they're sharing the information in a way that it's, it's just purely a poor me, look at how bad I have it type of mentality. And it's easy to get sucked in because sometimes things are terrible. You know, I would have loved to stand around and complain all day about how the wiring diagram on that Torag kicked my butt or wasn't right or the scan tool wasn't right but guys when it comes down to it none of that crap really matters it sucks and I'll be the first to admit that things like that suck but standing around complaining is not going to get the work done it's not going to make you time it's only going to make it worse and every second that you are standing around bitching about how crappy the job you have is is one more second that you're not getting that job done. So that's one more second, one more minute, one more hour that you have that car in your bay or you're not getting your report done or you're not doing your paperwork or whatever. You know, fill in whatever you really hate doing at your job. Fill that into what I just said. And you're just prolonging your own misery, really. So punch through it. Hustle, hustle, hustle. Have a good attitude. I know it's hard. Figure out what works for you to kind of snap yourself out of it. If it's taking a five-minute break and taking a walk around the building or running to get a Starbucks or whatever, you know, whatever you need to kind of jar yourself out of that negativity, just do it. Take the, take the five minutes and do it. Unless it's taking that five minutes standing around and complaining, don't do that. Um, avoid that all costs. It's it's just too easy to get sucked into. So that's pretty much how I feel about it. You know, there's there's good jobs and dealing with good jobs is easy because either they're really easy jobs that you get paid a ton on, or they're easy jobs that are fast and you know you may not get paid a ton but you've done it half a million times and you could do it in your sleep and then there's the jobs that that really stink and 
whether it's advanced diagnostics that, you know, maybe that's not your strong suit or engine replacements, because I feel like at a dealership level, you never win on engine replacements. You always lose the flat rate game on those. Um, you know, a, a bad customer that, uh, you know, I don't know, fill in whatever horror story you want about bad, bad customers or whatever. Just remember that, pound through it, get it done, work hard, hustle through it. The faster you get it done, the more correct you get it done. Because I feel like I always got to <laughs> temper the faster you get it done with. It still has to be done right. The better your attitude is during it, the quicker you're going to get through it. And you never know. The next job could be the best job you have all week. You just don't know until you get your crap work done. So that's my advice for dealing with crap work. I know today was kind of a negative sounding podcast initially, especially, but trust me, those tips that I gave you guys will work almost 100% of the time. And, uh, you know, if, if you can't pull yourself out of it, try something else would be my best advice. Also, thanks for letting me kind of complain today because uh, I really did need that. And, you know, when I started the blog and started the, the podcast especially, one of the key things that I said I wasn't going to do was just use this as sort of a soapbox to complain about my day. <laughs> and uh, I'm not doing that, I, I promise. I just... I feel like I wanted to set the stage for you guys so you really understood where I was coming from today and why what I'm saying today really felt like something I needed to tell you guys today. All right, so it's really fun going back in time and revisiting some of these really old podcasts as we move forward in time. If you have questions, comments, feedback about today's show, please leave that down in the comments. If you have any advice or tips about dealing with a bad day, let's chat about that too. Guys, thank you so much. I hope you're enjoying these audio podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.